Hello everyone, this is Rosanna cutting in right at the beginning here to say that you might notice us referring to this episode as episode 11 and think you might have missed episode 10. The good news is that you haven't missed it, the bad news is that we lost episode 10 due to technical difficulties, so we're leaping right into this, which was officially episode 11. The second thing is that we recorded this episode about a week and a half ago, so before the general election happened, so if you're wondering why you hear us say mysterious things or um, not react to things that happened that's why all right thanks very much on with the show welcome to make out with him a crushes dating friendship and kissing podcast hosted by love amateurs lex croucher and rosiana holz we are here to give you bad advice whether you want to make out with him her them everybody or nobody this is a podcast in progress and we'll have guests in future who aren't people like us send your questions to make out with him at gmail.com or use hashtag make out with him on twitter or tweet at make out with him and if possible, please include your pronouns and the name you'd like us to call you, or just anonymous. You know what I realised? What? Oh, we didn't celebrate our 10th podcast, and this is our 11th. <gasps> didn't! Oh no! But you know what? When you're 11, you get your Hogwarts letter. Yes. So really, this is our Hogwarts letter This is the real celebration. Podcast. This is our journey into magical, not adulthood, teenage-dom. Soon we'll be teenagers in two more episodes. <laughs> oh my god, I'm so excited for us. I feel like we're those little kids who are going to secondary school and our backpacks are too big and our kilts are too long. I don't know if kilts is like a really specific thing for me to say. Um, I was going to say, did you, you wore a kilt. Oh yeah. Like all the um, grammar schools in my area and like lots of the private schools. I mean, you are kind of in my area, but not really in my area. Um, we had to wear kilts <laughs> and oh like, my God. they were kilts that were fastened in a specific way. So they weren't like regular skirts. The reason being, I assume so that we couldn't roll them up easily. It was just very bizarre. Uh, it was all just to try and stop us from becoming little sluts. That's uh, so in our area, in, in my area of my schools, all the schools and our school included had these gray skirts that we would roll up very high and hem them extremely. And then they would come around to our classrooms and make us kneel on tables and they would measure them because if they were more than a certain amount above the knee, then we were harlots. Um, But of course, you'd just roll them down as much as you could and sometimes unzip them at the back so you could roll them down further until they measured them and then you'd roll them back up. It's so creepy, isn't it? This like weird, very creepy, hyper-militant, like like literally in numbers measuring what's appropriate and what's not i just find the whole thing real creepy i mean i have to say like i understand to some extent like when you're a child i don't know it's such a weird thing isn't it because like for example i probably wouldn't be happy sending like if i had a daughter and or a son who wanted to do the same thing like sending them out in like a crop top and tiny denim shorts at the age of 12 i probably wouldn't feel comfortable with it um but at the same time that's nothing to do it's not a reflection on them i don't know i understand the purpose that school uniform serves and i think it's really important um in ter- especially in terms of like kind of normalizing the clothes and making it fair for everyone and like not making that competitive and and so on. also just making it easier in the morning to be honest but when it gets to this point of like measuring the amount it's above your knees i also remember they would like come and check our elbows and our um the wrist area of our jumpers for holes and like those jumpers if they were the sweaters if they had holes in them they cost like 90 pounds to replace they were really expensive so 
it was just kind of outrageous. And they would like wouldn't be happy if you'd stitch it back with like not exactly the right colour of thread. It's just yeah, it's that whole, so like, you're representing annoying. school girls. You're representing us in the world. And oh it's God. just really creepy. And, like, I can't put my finger on, especially with the thing, like, you know, your your uniform had to be perfect and um, it was expensive to replace. Like, there's a weird kind of, like, exclusivity, like... Yeah. I don't know. I don't, it kind of feels like a class... I don't know. It's, it's just... It's very classist. Yeah, it's, it's like, super gross and just... I don't know. Also, I... we both so we both went to. Um, I mean, this isn't just the case at grammar schools. It's also the case at state schools, and, and oftentimes the case at private schools. But the extra costs as well, like the yeah. the like gym related costs, like because we had astroturf at my school, thanks to like a lottery grant. So like we had to pay for fucking astroturf boots, which was so expensive and so uncomfortable. Wait, you had to wear spe- like... special boots for astroturf because we had astroturf and we just wore our regular shoes. Yeah, no, we had to wear special ones with, like, little spikes in them. And I remember, like, I remember going to that um, school uniform and, like, kit thing that we had a month or so before um, I had my first day. And them saying the final number of what it would all cost. And the look on my mum's face just, just like, are you fucking joking? It's hundreds <laughs> of pounds that that school yeah, uniform would so cost. Yeah, so much money. And hundreds of pounds. Even though my feet grew... I ended up wearing the same AstroTurf boots my entire, like, first three or four years or whenever it was we had to do hockey. Um, and I just... They were agony by the end of it. They hurt so much because they're too small. But it was too expensive to replace them. And all yeah. that kind of stuff. It is, like, a subtle... Like, it's classist. And it's also, like, quite... I don't know. It's, it's quite a wall for people who've, like, gotten a free education. You know, done all the things. Anyway. Yeah. My cat is very <sighs> upset about this as well. I don't know if you can hear her. Um, I can't. Does she well, have a lot of feelings? Wait, just just listen real closely and she'll tell you her feelings. You sad? You really sad about it? Can you hear that? I can. It's the saddest voice. Are you sad? Tell us how sad you are. <laughs> oh. She didn't she's sad because she wants, she wants my love and attention. Who doesn't? Yeah. School uniforms, gross and weird. Um, the whole thing was just a very strange experience. Although, you know, what I find helpful lately is that I have a big butt and it falls out of skirts and sh- shorts. And I think you have the same problem, Rosiana. We just, I do. we have butts. I remember that it used to be a thing that like people would say your skirt shouldn't be shorter than your fingertips. And sometimes I just check how like long my skirt is with like, you know, by putting my arms down to see if it's the shorts, my fingertips, just to measure whether or not I think my butt's going to fall out of it at any point that day. So there's one useful thing that the weird sexist, strange world of school uniforms has taught me is that I'm just measuring. I just still kneel on a table and ask someone to measure it. (laughs) You kneel on a table and you ask a friend to measure you. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Let's just do some podcasting. The first question comes from Cedric Diggory, who says... Dear Lexa and Rosiana, my friend is having real troubles with self-esteem and depression and social anxiety. I know she was considering going to a therapist, but was scared to get actually diagnosed with a mental illness and have her problems be official, I guess. I don't have any mental illnesses, but would like to reach out and at least ask how she is, and at most, encourage her to go to a therapist. I don't know if this is overstepping, though, especially as someone who hasn't gone to a therapist. I don't really know how to go about this through text or call or coffee date, etc., any advice you could give me would be greatly appreciated, as I care about her a lot. Memento Mori, Cedric Diggory. It's such a weird one, because in 
our circle of friends were very lucky in that, um, you know, I feel like wanting someone, encouraging someone to go to therapy or to speak to somebody is seen as like an act of love. It's not seen as a judgment. Um, Because we are all very much in the mind of, you know, you should be taking care of your mind in the same way that you take care of your body. Um, You know, and I I honestly feel like mm, probably everybody could benefit from therapy and counseling. Like obviously for some people it's really necessary um, just, you know, to be able to function. Uh, But I also think that, you know, when you go to therapy and counseling, you're just talking and you it's that ex, it's that person who with no judgment and with no connection to the rest of your life can like listen to you talk and i think that's a really valuable thing um i think it's probably about how you approach it it's really tough i don't think i know anyone who would be offended if i said like you're really struggling and i love you and i think it could help to go to you know to go see somebody i i think it's yeah probably just about the way that you frame that i don't know rosiana answer the question (laughs) (laughs) no I think you're right though like we are lucky to be in that a very kind of pro-therapy situation um but I also would say definitely reach out and ask how she is but put it in the comment this is something I learned from the book option b um by Bay Cheryl Sandberg ask her how she is today rather than expansively asking how are you because that if you're struggling with self-esteem, depression, social anxiety, but also other things in your life, that seems like too much, too big of a question. And also sometimes it can be frustrating. You want to push back and be like, how do you think I am? <laughs> like, you know, yeah. you want something else to respond to that. Um, so how are you today is a good gentle way into it. But I don't think it is overstepping to say, have you thought of therapy um, recently? And even just going for an initial session to talk about it and if so is there anything I can help you do like research local therapists if money's a factor in this um find someone with a sliding scale or like a um other kind of counseling that uh you know if you're at university or something that is offered on your university campus um that kind of stuff because that can also be a huge part of it and every time I get a new therapist like that's the most exhausting part is well it's one of the most exhausting parts is trying to figure out who and all the logistics of it and then going into that first meeting which can often be quite intense because you have to be like hey here's me all of my problems and also you kind of it sometimes feels like you're auditioning for them um when they talk about their special focuses and so on so it's like it is a lot of stuff I don't think it's like an irrational fear of going or even like making it official but um I would say that making sure that she is leading the conversation and 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 kind of like gently asking her how she's doing and whether she wants to do it and whether there's anything you can assist with but really letting her make the bulk of the conversation how she's feeling rather than you saying rather than you making like an extended case for therapy with no place for her voice. The other thing I would say is that if she does choose to go and for whatever reason it doesn't work out for her because maybe it's not the right therapist or maybe she's just not, she just, maybe it's just not working at that time or like it's not adding value um, to her and what she's struggling with in that time, then that's also okay. Um, Because there have been times when therapists haven't worked out for me and pretty much everyone I know there are times when it can almost feel more stressful to go to therapy which sounds like an odd thing to say so it's just finding it's about finding the right people the right time and also it coming from her so that's the only thing that I would add 
Choose that. I think also making it just feel like a normal option is helpful because for some people, yeah, it doesn't feel like um, something that maybe their friends would even be cool with or something their friends would be aware of. And I think just making it seem like, you know, I don't know if you have other people in your life who do go to therapy or anything like that, but for me, definitely having conversations with people where I say, like, this is so normal. I know so many people that go to therapy. Like, it's just a normal, positive part of people's lives. Like, I don't know. It's very normal. And yeah helping her feel that way could be helpful yeah. yes indeed agreed co-signed Stamped, agreed indeed sealed, and delivered do like some rosiana how do i move on with dating new people slash studying for uni finals um slash generally leaving my bed when i am newly single and the only person i can ever imagine loving and being loved by lives in the same building as me but no longer wants to kiss my face or even see my face apparently thanks for all the lovely podcasts katie oh it's a tricky one um because it all that it can need is time and um i don't know not being around that person i don't know would you agree with that it just needs time it's like a hangover for a really bad one <laughs> i like it when you you say these things have you ever been heartbroken rosiana i've been kinds of heartbroken but i've not been like that newly single thing but yeah there are kinds of heartbreak that i've had yeah it is interesting, isn't it? Because, like, I have actually been the person to do the breaking up a lot of the time. Um, yeah. Which doesn't mean that I'm not heartbroken. Like, I've definitely broken up with somebody and felt that heartbreak because it's really difficult to uh, end a relationship, especially if it's, like, for reasons where it's just, you know, not working rather than not being a relationship that you would want. Um, I don't know where I was going with this. <laughs> Um, but you, yeah, so I but feel, you, still, you still experience that and they will also be experiencing that? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> no. Um, so I feel like I've never had the specific heartbreak of being broken up with. I have been dumped like once, but then we got back together. So it doesn't really count as being properly dumped. Um, and then I've gone through a breakup that was difficult, uh, like really difficult. But again, I hadn't really been broken up with. Um, it was more you know, kind of a mutual ending of the relationship, which was actually started by me. So I feel like maybe in some ways I'm not qualified to give heartbreak advice is what I'm trying to say, because I've never been in that specific place of like somebody ending a relationship with you when you are still fully in that and like you fully want to be part of that relationship. Um, And it sucks. The very short time that I had that experience before me and that boyfriend got back together was like honestly like probably the toughest time of my life uh it was only a week (laughs) but I had heard people talk about heartbreak before I had heard people um you know describing how it felt and I really didn't understand until I had that moment of yeah like obviously people experience it in different ways but I had that very traditional heartbreak I couldn't get out of bed. I couldn't really eat because I felt sick all the time. Like I wanted to eat, but I felt like sick to my stomach, had stomach pain, chest pain, like really intense chest pain. And it's one of those weird things where it doesn't feel like that should be a real thing that you actually experience pain in your heart, but you really do. Yeah, it feels like Victorian Um, or something. Yeah. I had like a constant lump in my throat. So I was always like seconds away from crying. Um, And I was just really tired, but couldn't sleep. It was really physical like a really physical experience and it felt like a physical illness in a way that I really didn't expect and um it 
you you kind of often think like if you haven't been in that situation yet maybe you think like oh i'll be heartbroken i'll be sad but you're not sad it's like physical heartbreak is yeah feels like an illness this is this is not yeah. very perky what well, i'm trying to say it was is only a week but also i'm sure it felt like a lot longer than a week as well yes it did especially like with the not changes. sleeping yeah. yeah, I remember that one of the only things that got me to sleep was watching Brokeback Mountain because it was just on TV. So I decided to just watch Brokeback Mountain <laughs> and let the like, you know, the horrible homophobic culture and the repressed sexuality just lull me to sleep. Well, I think what I'm trying to say here is I'm not. I'm trying to say a. I I feel you. I understand how difficult it is. Um, and I understand not ever being able to imagine someone else because I've been there like multiple times. And it is such a weird thing because when you're in it and people say, oh, you will find someone else, you will like other people, you just can't imagine it because you're not in a place to be able to yet and you're not in a place where you even want to yet because you haven't let go of that previous person. Um, It's, yeah, it's a very strange space to be in. I really feel like people dismiss it quite easily often um, until you've been in it and you've had that situation, you don't understand how like all consuming it can be and how difficult it can be to get past um it doesn't help for me to say this but it will get better and it doesn't help for me to say this but you will um definitely imagine uh loving other people and being loved by them you will you will definitely love other people and be loved by them you know and not one other person it might be multiple other people you might have many loves in your life it will be okay and i'm sorry that it's really difficult right now but it will yeah, and I think it is important, as like unhelpful as it may sound, um, to wallow. And, you know, that's something that I learned from uh, Kilmore Girls, if anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, making time to like sit with that feeling is, I think, better than, well, preferable maybe than not dealing with it or addressing it or pretending it's not there because it will come to you. Like, it's a physical reaction, but it's also like it's. It's hard when you've had connections with people in all sorts of different parts of your life. Like they seem to be related to everything that you do. It's it's hard to not feel that. So letting yourself feel it now will, I think, help you get to that point where one day, as stupid as it sounds, you will wake up and you'll be like, I feel that little bit better today. And maybe you're already there since you sent in the question and now. Yeah. Um, but I feel that little bit better today. Everything feels that little bit more possible but it's also hard when you have something like university finals, which wait for no breakups. Yeah. Um, and there's a level of stress associated with that anyway. But I would also just try if you're still, if that's still um, a factor and you haven't taken your finals yet, uh, then just try and set aside small chunks of time and try to do it in small bursts. So try and do maybe 30 minutes of focus studying and then, let yourself do something kind for yourself and then another 30 minutes at another time and just break it up into really small chunks because I think that's the only way you're going to do it. If you have to wake up in the morning and think like, oh God, I've got to study in the library for six to eight hours or something today, you're not going to do it and you're just going to feel rubbish and then you're also going to be harder on yourself for not doing it. But I think you might find a bit more of a way forward by breaking it up into little chunks. It's just a thing you have to get through. Um... Yeah, which is really hard and I often think that about like different types of pain in life and like physical pain when you're like a kid you expect that things can be fixed and you expect that there's you know for example if you have a headache you can take a painkiller and it'll go away or if you fall over and hurt yourself you can 
you know, like dress that cut and and take a painkiller and I don't know, I don't know why I keep saying take a painkiller, put a plaster on it, whatever. Um, it's really strange when you start confronting things in life that don't have a fix in that way. And yeah. I, I think about it a lot and, you know, I, I generally think about it in terms of physical pain, but I also think about it in other ways. There are some things that you just have to get through and that's a thing that, to me at least, maybe to other people they're like, well, obviously, but to me at least it's been kind of a thing that I've been discovering more and more as I grow up is that, yeah, there are just these things that you can't do anything about. You just have to kind of sit with that and experience that thing until it's over. And it's such a strange thing to not be able to do anything about it. And it feels really frustrating when all you want to do is get better or feel better. But yeah, there are some things you just have to like, there are some things you just have to bear. Um, and yeah. in terms of getting better as well, I think, uh, yeah, it'll be those little moments. Like it might not be that you have a day where you feel like, oh, I feel, you know, I'm on, I'm on the right track or I'm on the road to feeling better. It might just be that one day you can laugh about something and then the next day you can enjoy something that you didn't think you'd be able to enjoy again. And some days you might feel like you have setbacks because you, you know, have a bad day, but that doesn't undo the, like, the good that you've been feeling. And yeah, eventually the good things will be on the same level as the bad things. And after that, at some point they'll overtake the bad things. And then you'll have more good than bad. And that will be a good place to be in. I feel like <laughs> I feel like I'm taking this really, really seriously. I don't know, like, it sounds like you're having a really difficult time. Um, maybe I'm making it more dramatic than it is. But God, I just feel like heartbreak is one of the most dramatic things. And yes, I do take it very seriously. And now when I hear about people who are going through breakups, you know, I see that really differently, having been through a difficult breakup. And I'm sure if I ever go through a proper, proper breakup where I'm, you know, broken up with by somebody, then I'll understand it even more. Anyway, I'm going to start talking about breakups now because it's getting me like slightly upset, which <laughs> I didn't expect to happen, but I can just feel it. I can feel those feelings and they're really difficult feelings. And like, you know, I really feel for you is what I'm saying. I've literally got tears in my eyes. Oh my God. It's time to stop. <laughs> you're gonna be okay and it'll be fine and you know all power to you for the things that you managed to do in this time and good luck with your finals dear lex and rosiana she said dear lex and rosiana slash rosiana and lex and then in brackets whoever reads this out gets to choose so i choose lex and rosiana however she also put it first on the list so i think that says something you know like that's the default that's the one that makes sense my name first forever and ever amen um I'm going to read the question now. I'm not even going to dignify that with a response. My best friend from high school stopped speaking to me a couple of years ago now, in our second year of uni. We had a couple of disagreements about boys, and I was definitely in the wrong more. I dated an ex of hers, but obviously really regret it. Also, this was mixed in with me having feelings for her, then getting over it. What a way to find out you're bi, and I'm not sure if she knows this. We didn't stop speaking after a fight, per se, but we drifted and stopped talking, and I assumed it was because of the things I did wrong. My question is, have you ever tried to make up or at least make peace with someone you've fallen out with? Do you have any advice on how to approach it? I'm not necessarily asking her to be friends with me again, as I can totally understand that she wouldn't want to after what I did. But I'd like to apologise to her fully removed from the situation. She's now happy with her boyfriend, and I'm very happy with my girlfriend. Especially as we share another best friend from high school, and when we've crossed paths at social events, it's been very awkward, and we pretend that we don't exist to each other. Any anecdotes or advice on repairing friendships would be much appreciated. Love, Caitlin. I am not Caitlin. Wait, it says Caitlin, not Catlin, because I'm Australian, and don't say it in the cool Irish way. I see. I would have assumed Caitlin, and I was correct. Go me. All the points to me. Well done, Lex. Good job. 
I, it's really t- tricky, but I think that the onus falls on you to both reach out with the apology, but then also completely uh, remove from her any obligation to respond to it or take it on board in any way, which is kind of a weird thing to say. But like, I think that it's a good move to reach out with an apology, whether by um, email or even like a handwritten note or a text or something. But um, I would encourage like an email, something a bit more long form um, or, or, or a note. Um, rather than like a text or anything but because I think that kind of makes it allows people to sit with it a little bit longer if they want to but I'd also say you know I'd love to chat more but also don't feel like you need to respond at the end of it because it takes a bit of the pressure off and also it even though she's very happy with her new boyfriend you don't know where she's at about this particular thing um and humans our emotions fluctuate and certain things as well sting us in ways that don't always make sense or sometimes do make sense and sometimes for short times like she might be completely over it she might not be um it's hard to know what the awkwardness is whether it's just now become so custom that you don't talk to each other um or whether it's directly linked to this or you know whatever's up so i think just kind of like definitely expressing that you're sorry about it um and kind of expressing that act of kindness there but then also leaving it up to her as to what to do then I think that's a good move because it's hard when you have mutual friends as well because you're like oh I don't want to you know it makes it hard on that other friend too so it would make it easier for sure if, if things were a little bit easier but I also think you would you will feel a bit better and it seems like you think it's the right thing to do too to just reach out with that apology and just have that um, yeah, out there. I think it's really important what you said about not expecting anything in response. I like to think that generally people want to be getting on with each other and that people want to be open to forgiveness. Um, I generally don't tend to hold grudges against people. There's like maybe one person ever who I've like <laughs> held a persistent, not even a grudge. I just kind of, I'm like, that person's not for me at all and I have no interest in you know even having a conversation with them and that's only one person ever (laughs) Um, actually that's not true that's not true there's multiple people there's more than one person anyway um but probably fewer than five fewer than five smaller than a ballpark they're all men anyway um someone is running around my apartment complex screaming (laughs) like a banshee they're having a a great great sunday having a great sunday time you should also just join them if you can't beat them join them what i was trying to say is before i started going off on my like grudges list the grudge list um is that i genuinely i yeah i genuinely think that most people don't derive any pleasure from having bad relationships with people especially people they have to deal with and any way that they can make their life easier even just by being your acquaintance and just being completely you know feeling neutral about you they would probably want and yeah she also is probably if you haven't apologized before or you know you know haven't apologized in a way that felt genuine or like you know distance from the situation she's probably wants that apology and would really appreciate it so yeah she might not want to be friends with you and i think that's fine but at least you can get to a place where you can like give each other the nod when you see each other the kind of nod of like we're fine this is okay we know each other you know we've acknowledged this problem that's it worst case scenario i guess is that 
she, you know, wants to kind of fight about it or argue about it. Although that's not necessarily the worst case scenario because sometimes it can help to get these things out and like get proper closure on things. And sometimes, you know, talking something through um, is the only way of doing that. Uh, And best case scenario is that she's just like, you know, really, you get a friend back. And in the middle, like I talked about in the other podcast that we did, um, in the middle... I just keep thinking about how worst case scenario is really that she becomes a supervillain and... Okay, listen, ignore Rosianna. She's not going to become a supervillain. The the middle case scenario is probably that you guys take a step towards repairing that relationship and are comfortable around each other in social situations. So I think it sounds like a pretty good idea. Yeah, I'm trying to think of (laughs) anecdotal parallels, but the only ones I have are me receiving things, really. Like, I don't know how effective I've been at repairing friendships. Um, But on the receiving end... I mean, some of them have been in completely different situations where there are people I literally never want to talk to again. There was a girl who in year eight, so we were like 12 or 13, we all had live journal accounts and she wrote some really mean things about me and put them in this live journal post with a very thinly disguised code name, which was Raisin. That's really funny. I'm sorry. Yeah, she called me Raisin in this post. That bitch called you Raisin. Raisin. It was really... And she was like... She like mentioned by name the guy that I fancied and to be fair was extremely annoying about. But it was just like a lot of different things at once. It was like every single horrible thing you've thought about yourself. Here's this woman. Here's this girl. She was a girl at the time. Um, writing this post in public to your friends, etc. And other people kind of agreeing with it. And I literally haven't spoken to her since that day because I was so, so hurt by it. But she did write me an apology letter and leave it on my desk um, in like in my form room. At the moment, I was like, I could be tremendously gracious and giving (laughs) and forgiving and all sorts, have everything be fine, even write her back a note. But what I realized is that I kind of wasn't there and... It had really stung me and I just couldn't get to that place of putting it all behind me. But it was important to me that she recognised that I was hurt by what she did and that it wasn't just like a five second quick apology situation. It was like a big thing to me. So like that made a lot of, that made a big difference with me. Um, So I would also say that even if you don't get response or the kind of response you want, it is important to acknowledge it, and I think that there is value in even that. Um, but that's just to go to like at the yeah to the extreme case. I can't believe she called you raisin. <laughs> oh my god, it's such a mean post. I still have it somewhere as well. Like oh, it, that, that sounds very healthy. To, yeah, and I always just to remember that like yeah where I was at that time. But yeah, it's extreme. You should just hit her up on Facebook and be like, hey. Susan, it's me, Raisin. <laughs> I'm still pissed about it, though. That's the thing. Like, I haven't let it go. No. I'm still, anyway. And it, I've, like, functionally let it go. Yeah. <laughs> it's still very But, yeah, to you me. wouldn't you want to want um, to chat to her. Oh, God. No, anyway, I'm sure that won't happen with you. Maybe, maybe. You'll be fine. I think, yeah, the point yeah, is... you'll be fine. point is, it's a good thing to do anyway. This question comes from Beth. Hey Lex and Rosianna, how do I stop convincing myself that my boyfriend of over one and a half years secretly hates me or is uninterested in me? Recently, I went through a pretty rough bout of poor mental health, mostly depression related, after graduating high school. During that time, my perception of my relationship suffered quite badly. This had to do with lower self-image, fear, etc. 
In the last month or so, lots of aspects have been improving with the help of doctors, meds and good friends. However, my constant fear about whether my boyfriend really likes me is one of the things I can't seem to shake. He has done nothing to make me assume this, except that he found helping me through this stuff hard, as he hasn't experienced it before, which is a totally normal reaction, and has always been wonderful, kind and supportive. Sorry if this is a bit heavy, but I'd love any advice or wisdom you can share. Many preemptive thank yous. Beth. Oof. I feel this. <laughs> because... I think one of the, yeah, like, I think a thing that you have already kind of addressed is that it's probably not to do with him. It's to do with you. Um, and it's really difficult because I have been through that same thing with multiple partners, although most of the time it was also coming from them, not necessarily just coming from me. Um, but even when I've been in relationships or in places in relationships when... Um, they have genuinely been, you know, giving me no reason to feel doubt. I have that kind of doubt hangover from previous experiences. Yeah. Like, I don't know if you have that, um, cause you, ha you didn't mention it in your message, but that's definitely the thing that affects me is like my experience with previous relationships really affects my, you know, just my experiences generally. And I sometimes find it difficult to separate those things. And maybe it's, you know, sometimes it's not even to do with relationships, it's friendships, but it's just, if you've had that feeling of, I guess, rejection, um, it's that constant kind of half fear that it will happen to you and, you know, that fear of, yeah, like not being wanted and also the other half is kind of, it feels like you're mentally preparing yourself for it because I don't know about you but I sometimes feel like when I'm in that place and I'm feeling really down about my self-esteem, it feels inevitable that at some point, you know, the bad thing will happen and like they won't like me anymore, they won't be interested. Um... So it kind of feels like I'm mentally preparing myself by having these worries, which is obviously silly because spending time worrying about something that like most likely isn't going to happen or that, you know, won't happen in the way you're worrying about it is not necessarily a helpful use of mental energy. And it never has been for me. Um, I think like there, there's a certain amount that you can ask like a significant other to significant others are really weird phrase anyway because um, all the people in my life are significant <laughs> not just one this is my other this one is significant this one is significant um i think that you can explain that i don't know if you already have um but you can explain that and you can say like i know this is me not you and it's nothing to do with your behavior but this is just a thing and if there are specific ways that you can imagine feeling reassured um you know, letting them know that I think is fine. Like, I don't think you're asking for anything really unreasonable to just say, like, I know this is to do with me. Um, and it's, you know, my own hangups or my own insecurities. But if, if you would be comfortable with it, I would really appreciate it if you did this specific thing or you said this specific thing. Um, because, you know, for that person, it might be like, oh, of course I'll do that. That doesn't affect me. And it would really affect you and really change how you felt. So I don't think there's anything wrong with speaking up about that kind of thing. Um, and yeah, on the other hand, it is just, you can't put it too much on the other person, which I don't think you are, but I definitely in the past have felt kind of like, oh, if only they would do this. And if only, you know, while realizing deep down that actually it was all to do with me and my relationship with myself. Um, it sounds like you are doing good things. You are seeing doctors, you are on medication that works for you. You have positive relationships with friends. These are all good things. Um, yeah so I feel like it's just kind of going down that road more if there's any way you can exploring your relationship with yourself and your own self-esteem could be really helpful uh 
Yeah, I don't know. It's so tough. I, yeah. It's tough, but you great gave great advice there, Lex. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you. That's very good for my relationship with myself to hear you say that. We're all kind of pre-programmed to have these kind of doubts about ourselves sometimes and to sometimes be not very confident. And it's frustrating. And say, when I say all, I kind of mean women um but i'm sure it's the same with men as well and you know non-binary gender there's just these doubts that we have and we kind of we look elsewhere for people to prove our worth to us even though we don't need that what we really need to do is feel comfortable within our own selves and then you won't need the reassurance from somebody else anymore because you'll kind of feel secure within yourself and having other people who are, you know, positive and having, you know, great, you're having good relationships with is just an added wonderful extra. But that's kind of the ideal dream. And I don't know if I'll ever be fully there. I'm just kind of striving for it. This is, I don't know yeah. if this is helpful. This is just Lex's self-reflection hour. No, it's great though. Um, I think that the other thing is that like, anytime you need extra support or help, it's so hard to not feel like a burden, especially if you're being self-critical in the first place. And I feel like this all the time when I ask for help, when I tell people honestly how I'm doing, but it, um, and I, I often like slip quite easily into language of like apology, um, or kind of held myself back a bit. And I've become really aware of when I do it now, because I literally have friends who are like, don't apologize, <laughs> like, please God, don't apologize. And that's also helped because it, that kind of takes that out of it. But it, um, I mean, it's just hard not to feel like that. And oftentimes it does involve a lot of extra support and time from other people. But what you have to remember is they care about you. Like they do, they care about you and they want you to be well. And they're trying to find a way to make you well. Like don't think of yourself as a burden. It's not a burden to them to see you get better um, or see you find better ways to manage something or find their role in supporting you doing that. Like that's actually something very satisfying. And even when the progress might not be as much as you'd like, or you still have those kind of constants, that doesn't doom and gloom it. It doesn't mean that they'll find you more of a burden or anything. I mean, you just have to remember that they love you and they care about you. And that's such a basic, hard thing to remember. But they want you to be as well as you can be. I don't, you know, I don't think that you're in this situation. I hope you're not in this situation. Um, But I've definitely had that kind of feeling of being a burden like reinforced to me in the past which is really tough to then move past because it's like that's what you're most afraid of sometimes in those situations and if someone backs that up to you like I had um this is gonna get real personal I had a relationship where when I was having difficult times with my mental health and anxiety and there were difficult things going on in my life um I you know reached out and said you know I I really like you to come over tonight or I really need to talk to you or you know like I needed that that bit of extra support and I was making myself vulnerable to that person and then had that thrown in my face later on in the relationship and was told you know I can't drop everything to come see you whenever you're upset and things like that which um yeah would kind of come from nowhere and be nothing to do with what I was actually asking in the situation anyway the point is it can be really difficult to then ask for help so I don't know if like yeah maybe if you've ever been made to feel that way it is really difficult to then feel like you're kind of adding yeah being a burden when you've had that seemingly proved to yourself in your mind but in that situation like if people make you feel that way 
that is on them. <laughs> like, it's completely reasonable for another person to say, I'm really sorry, but I can't provide that kind of support for you right now. Like, you know, because of I need to, you know, my own mental health or, you know, anything like that. That's a completely reasonable response to have. Um, and I don't think that's, you know, someone rejecting you in any way. That's just, you know, that's a very specific situation. But I feel like if anyone has ever made you feel like you are being a burden or anything, then that is on them. Like, no one should make you feel well, that that's, way. Yeah, that's like an incredibly cruel thing to do. <laughs> and I think says much less about you than it does about them, but is obviously an extremely hurtful thing to hear and like to, yeah, hear your worst worst fears realized I feel like in that situation it's being used as like kind of like hot poker to stab you with yeah rather than an open and honest conversation about it I mean I'm just projecting Ugh. now obviously I'm really projecting because I'm just taking all my experiences I'm so with mad this topic. at that person <laughs> yeah it's not good is it um it's quite bad <laughs> It's rather, it's rather bad. Anyway, again, I've just turned this into my own therapy session. What I was kind of trying to say it's with fun. that is that um, if you reach out for extra help, you shouldn't ever be able, you know, you shouldn't ever be made to feel. Um... Huh? <laughs> what? Sorry, someone's calling me from the other room. Bye. I should be like a radio actor. Um, right. Anyway, uh, good luck, Beth. Um, so Lex, I have to go to brunch now. So that's all we have time for today, friends. Because Rosianna has to go to brunch. Um, Lex, where should people send questions if they want their questions answered? They can email makeoutwithim at gmail.com or tweet us at makeoutwithim and use the hashtag, hashtag makeoutwithim on Twitter. Can't believe you're leaving this podcast to go to brunch. Traitor. I'm sorry, but like, terrible things have happened in this world and I need a margarita. Yeah, that's a good response. I am drinking Pims alone, so. <laughs> yeah. Well, as it's almost 11am, I feel like it's appropriate. Have a good brunch, and all the rest of you listening to thank this, you. Uh, you also have a good day. Please and thank you. How, what's the last line in um, Lord of the Rings? The end of Lord of the Rings isn't actually very good. Oh. <laughs> the last sentence at the end of Return of the King, I think it's before the appendices, is, well, I'm back, he said. Which is, like, nice in the context of the book, but it's not great for ending this podcast. I, I, I prefer to, in fact, choose the quote from the film that Bilbo says when he says, um, I thought of an ending for my book, and he lived happily ever after to the end of his days. If you're in need of advice If you don't know what to do Then write to Lex and Rosie Anna And they might just answer you